What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Duval, welcome in to the Gen Jag Podcast. I'm Jordan DeLugo, joined, as always, by Jeremy Markoski. Today, we've got the Arden Key signing to talk about, uh, Brandon Linder's retirement, We'll break down the top remaining roster needs for the Jaguars and talk about a whole lot more. Jeremy, what's up, brother? Doing good, man. Doing good. I'm just, you know, relaxing. Not nearly as busy and as stressed out as you are these days. So I hope things are starting to uh, settle down for you, but I'm good. I'm good. Spring football starting up, uh, at least at the high school level. So I get a taste of football a little bit earlier than most of you guys out there do, but can't complain. Hell yeah. Squad's going to get it done this year. Hey man, we get it done every year. We get it done every year. But yeah, yeah, we got like I was, you know, we were talking about this beforehand. Young team, you know, for for those of you who don't know, or you know, kind of, I, I do coach high school football in the area. So you know, like you said, great, great. Just it feels great to be back out there to be around you know football again, and the, the weather's nice. But you know, real young team. So we'll see where we can get this year. All right, Jaguars are a pretty young team. Hopefully they can uh, improve in 2022. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that for now. Um, follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Markoski, myself at Jordan DeLugo, Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag. And of course, I just kicked off the new Duval Daily Show, which is just going to be a quick 15 to 30 minute uh, weekday episodes that are going to come out pretty much every weekday as long as I've got time to do it. And uh, you'll be able to stream those on YouTube, listen on your favorite podcast app, and just follow along for some more streamlined, quick-hitting, you know, thoughtful Jaguars news and analysis. You can check that out on our YouTube page. It's generation or 
the YouTube is Jen Jag. Um, of course, you can see all that stuff on our social handles. You'll be able to find it real easy. And check out jenjag.com for all the latest Jaguars news and analysis. Really appreciate you guys being here. Let's go ahead and jump into Brandon Linder retiring. Um, it almost seems like old news now, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit, right? A couple of days ago. I, I kind of saw this one coming. I feel like most people probably did, though. You know, just right. kind of had that feeling come into the off season. But it does feel like old news now, man. I, it's not. I think it's one of the things where like, it didn't come, like it didn't shock anybody, right? Like it didn't blindside you. So I think it was a little bit easier for you to digest that news, digest that information, and kind of, you know, push it to the back of your mind a little bit as things continue to turn. Yeah, I think it was Mark Long that came out with the report, almost maybe like a week and a half ago now that Brandon Litter was Linder was considering retiring. And then you had Trent Balky talk about how he and Linder had a discussion about the future and that they weren't really sure what was going to happen. So with those, you know, you kind of had the writing on the wall, so to speak. And perhaps the Tyler Shatley move, the move to bring him back on a two-year deal was impacted by the knowledge uh, of the front office that Linder might be on his way out. But uh, it leaves a hole, in my opinion. I don't think Tyler Shatley is who you want as a starting center. I think he's the perfect backup interior offensive lineman that can play center or either guard spot. I don't think you would ideally want to go into the season with him as a starter, but at the same time, I don't think he's going to kill you if he's in the starting lineup either. No, and it definitely depends on who you have around him, right? If you've got a strong interior core, you know, with 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 two dominant big guards, I mean that that definitely you know kind of mitigates the risk, you know, in the middle. As long as that guy can snap the ball, identify the defense, and you know keep things in a vacuum, he should be okay. And like you said, is he a guy that you want to probably be your your starting center long term? No, no, you you probably don't. But I mean, he's serviceable. He knows the offense. Um, you know, he's never had really kind of a, 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 you know, a bad mark on his career thus far when he does come in and play, you know, there, there's nothing about him missing a block or, you know, getting somebody hurt or anything like that. So everything that he's done up to this point, he, he's earned the right to be able to be this stopgap guy, but you've got to look for your long-term replacement because now you're looking to replace a guy like Brandon Linder, who in my opinion was one of those glue guys, right? Really kind of held not only the team together, but the position group together and just a staple of this Jaguars franchise for the last what, 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Drafted in 2013. I believe it was 2013. Played eight seasons for the Jaguars, was a captain for five of them. He was the first Jaguars player to ever earn the gold C captain patch. I mean, obviously he missed over 30% of his games in his career due to injury, which is just a tough pill to swallow. And when you look at him only being 30 years old, the injuries obviously played a factor in the early retirement. Uh, but this is a guy that's going to go down as maybe what could have been. Uh, he was not surrounded with great talent. Through a lot of his time in Jacksonville, they only made the playoffs one time uh, when he was a member of the Jaguars back in 2017. But when he was on the field, there were very few centers that were more consistent, more well-balanced in terms of being able to get the job done as a run blocker, a pass blocker, 
and somebody that can, like you alluded to earlier, get everybody else lined up, get the checks going, read the defense. Really an impressive career when you when you take away the injuries, but again, you're going to always have to talk about those injuries when you do talk about Brandon Linder. Yeah, and it's a bummer for him that that that's going to be you know, kind of a cloud that hangs over his legacy. Um, you know, I don't think obviously, you know, we're thinking hall of fame or anything like that, but at least here locally, I mean, that's a guy that, you know, again, not, not thinking necessarily, you know, circle or anything like that. But when you think of Jaguars, right. I think Brandon Linder is one of those guys who just immediately goes into that floating list, right. That, that, who do you think of when the Jaguars first come to mind? Obviously it depends on when you were born, um, you know, have you been here for the whole ride? Do you think of guys like Jimmy Keenan and Meester? And for me, you know, it, Brad, uh, Brad, Brandon Linder pops up on that list in my head when I think of Jaguar. So, um, you know, he, he's made a lasting impact not only on this community, but on the team. And, you know, I wish him all the best and, and good for him. Let that body rest. The man's been beaten and, and brutally beaten with, with, with no no real hopes of, of doing anything more than just, you know, making it out of the regular season. Like you said, I only made the playoffs once. That's kind of tough. It's like Joe Thomas, man, out there in Cleveland. I think he was there for, what, 15 years, and they only made the playoffs, if they even made it, once or twice. So yeah. that's a tough, that's a tough grind to, to put in that much work and to put your body through that. Really, when I say it, not for, it's obviously not for nothing. Look, he made a ton of money. He is, is handsomely rich, you know, as long as he managed that money properly. From what I hear, he's got one of the coolest houses in the area, right on the river. And, you know, it's a great place to live. So good for him. Enjoy that retirement. Yeah, he can go enjoy the all the fishing and hunting that Florida and surrounding states have to offer. I know he will. Best wishes to Brandon Linder. Uh, but but like we said, that does kind of leave some question marks on the interior of the offensive line. You have Brandon Scherf that you feel great about at right guard. Now you're looking at left guard and center as maybe not the strongest positions on the team. But we'll talk about those team needs a little bit later. Let's go ahead and jump into defensive end Arden Key. Signs with the Jaguars, a one-year deal worth up to $7 million, according to Mike Garofolo. So you're going to see that... Um, Whatever the base salary is there is going to be the cap hit, so it's not going to be a huge cap hit, but um, it will impact the cap a little bit. And this is a guy coming off a six-and-a-half sack season, did a lot of work for the 49ers in 2021 on the interior, um, and he was able to just beat guards with his uh, hand usage, his quickness, his length, uh, athleticism. They were just unable to handle him on the pass rushing downs on the interior even though he's only 65 240 which you definitely wouldn't imagine a 240 pounder kind of lining up on the inside and taking advantage of those guards but he was able to do that again with that length with his hands he's really good at that two-hand swipe uh and the quickness and overall athleticism yeah he's he's a long fast guy you know another depth piece for the rushing attack the pass rush attack, at least not the, the offensive rushing attack, but a guy that's needed, right? We talked about, you know, how important that depth was on the defensive line, especially at the pass rush position, the edge position, wherever you want to place him. And so the fact that they are now addressing that, it was the one of the very few position groups that they did not address in free agency gets me excited. And he's still a young guy, 25 years old. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think this will be his fourth or fifth year in the league and, he, and he's only 25 turns 26 here in may so plenty of time to 
grow, plenty of time to hopefully, you know, become the player that we think that he can be. I'm not saying he's going to be spectacular, but building on that performance last year, like you said, a career high of what, six or six and a half sacks, um, you know, watching what he did in that multiple style uh, defensive front down there in San Francisco, it, it definitely gives you something to be excited about. And it leaves everyone guessing what the Jaguars are going to do at number one. Most people still have a pencil in his hutch, not blaming them for that, but at least the Jaguars are, are leaving it up to their own possibility that they could do anything and go anywhere. Yeah, they had not dre- addressed the pass rush um, to this point in free agency. Now they have. So you could look at it and say, well, they've got Josh Allen. They've got Smoot. They've got Key. They still got Chase on in their back pocket if, he, if they can develop him at all. And uh, yeah, you could certainly argue that the Jaguars are in the market for a pass rusher or an offensive lineman with the top overall pick in the draft. Um, so, yeah, I think they are trying to keep teams guessing. Uh, I think the one-year deal is a little interesting. I think that just goes to show you that teams are not forgetting that over the first three years of his career in Oakland slash Las Vegas, that Arden Key wasn't an effective player, that the Raiders couldn't figure out how to use him properly. And of course, the 49ers did that in 2021 with Arden Key, getting him lined up in more of a three-tech uh type of situation on those pass rush downs on those money downs. He produced in a big way, but it's going to be on Mike Caldwell. It's going to be on the defensive line coach to figure out how best to use Arden key to get him in those situations where he can take advantage of less athletic interior offensive linemen. So I think this deal is reflective of the fact that yes, he is coming off a good season. Yes. The 49ers figured out how to use him, but you can't forget about what happened over the first three years of his career. Yeah, and the Jaguars have to figure out how to use him too. So, you know, I'm assuming that, you know, they are kind of banking on the fact that they don't know how to use anybody correctly ever, so they're only going to pay him for one year. And so that self-awareness by the Jaguars front office is amazing, something we've never (laughs) seen before. Um, But no, I mean, he's Uh, he's a guy that you can definitely look to put in the right position. I mean, just look what San Fran did. Like you said, they put a guy in a position to be successful. And when he has shown the ability to be successful for multiple spots across the defensive line, put you in a really great spot. And I think, you know, Doug touched on it a little bit earlier this week. The defense is going to be multiple. They are going to be multiple. They are going to have a lot of different packages. They are going to have a lot of different fronts. They're going to utilize a four-man front. They're going to utilize a three-man front. So having guys who can do multiple things not only allows you to obviously be multiple in your fronts and in your defensive sets, but it allows you to move these guys around. It allows you to keep the defense guessing. You can line Arden Key up outside. You can line up up inside. You can do that with Josh Allen. You can stand Josh Allen up. You can put his hand in the dirt. No one's saying this eliminates our need for more edge players. Because the Jaguars still need more edge players, whether that be through the draft, through the tail end of free agency here. I don't you know, really see anything else out there that's going to be a, a needle mover. It could be depth at least, but you know, at least they took the time to make that adjustment and make that allocation and bring in a little bit of depth to the front of the defensive line. Yeah, that D-line has a lot of names now, right? We it talked does. about Josh Allen, Arden Key, Dewan Smoot, Calevon Chason. And then on the interior, you've got a ton of guys, Roy Robertson-Harris, Devon Hamilton, Malcolm Brown, J2 Fele, 
uh, Foley, uh, Fatu Kasi. Like, there is a lot of names on that defensive line that you got to pencil in on this roster. Well, it's it's getting a little crowded, right? And so there's going to be an odd man out. That's what you want, right? Right. No, you definitely do. You definitely do. So you got to start identifying, you know, who who's that going to be? It probably Chase on. Honestly, could be Roy Robertson Harris, a little bit older, but I mean, I just don't see, you know, Caleb on chase on has kind of had a little bit of a similar, you know, start to his career that Arden key is at, you know, besides the fact that Arden key was not a first round pick. Um, but I mean, really kind of hasn't done a lot. So yeah, you bring a lot of depth, breeds a lot of competition, allows you to do, like you said, multiple things, bunch of names on that front, but you're gonna have to start weeding out the odd guys, you know, someone's going to get cut. And, and a lot of those guys, we thought and we anticipated we're going to be impact guys for the Jaguars, but again, we're starting to see that, you know, it's just it's it's not here currently. It's not here. Those guys that we thought were going to be impact guys here probably wouldn't even be rotational guys elsewhere. Yeah, you could certainly argue that. Um, coming out of the annual league meetings, the Jaguars are now set to host London home games through the 2024 season. Um, they'll be hosting all of those games at Wembley, which was their original London home. For some reason, these Jags, they're 500 across the pond when they can't seem to win at home in Jacksonville or on the road (laughs) anywhere else, but they get the job done in London just as often as they don't, which is just so bizarre for a team. Like I said, has been terrible since they've been going to London since 2013, but for whatever reason, they do have some sort of strange home field advantage over there. Shad Khan obviously enjoys the business opportunities. The local revenue that the Jaguars get from this game is so much higher than what they get from the games in Jacksonville. So there's there's obviously business uh, and money uh, to to blame for a, for this. I guess you could say for Jaguars fans, they obviously at least fans in Jacksonville, season ticket holders, they want those games at home. And so in 2022 here, uh, since the AFC had the extra home game last year, the Jaguars are only going to have seven home games. And then they will have eight home games in 2023, seven again in 2024. So yeah, you're losing out on some games with the Jaguars playing over in London, but they're winning these games more often than not. It's a very strange situation. Yeah, well, at least it gives them a chance to, you know, make sure that the odds are stacked against them ever going 0-16, right? At least we've got a little bit of a, of a leaning fight in London. I mean, it is what it is at this point, right? No surprise here. The Jaguars are going to London. And I think at this point, most fans are probably okay with it, especially given that extra game. It kind of, you know, puts things when I say quote unquote back to normal for us, right? We're going to have the alternate seven and eight game years. So, you know, in that second year, it's not going to be that bad. We'll have eight home games in Jacksonville. I don't think it'll get bad unless, you know, they try to flirt with taking another one over there again, but it's totally up to the guys in that locker room and the guys in that front office to, to make sure that doesn't happen. You know, they're not going to do that. If you're a winning team that's drawing interest and making money. So it's all up to them, but I I don't, I don't hate the, the 9am kickoff once a year, you know, wake up, Kind of have like a brunch, you know, maybe maybe start your day off drinking a little bit earlier, get to bed a little bit sooner, opens up your day a little bit. And if the Jaguars win, you're happy all day, you know, and if they've lost, at least you got out of the way early. Yeah, I had a great time this past year with uh, the Miami win. 
get the game over around noon. Have a have a nice Sunday with a W in your pocket. Can't beat it. Uh, Shad Khan, you know, he puts his foot in his mouth kind of a lot, unfortunately. And he came out talking about the Bills uh, stadium that they're getting and how complimentary he was of the Bills fans, Bills Mafia. Look, everything he said it was true, but the Bills have been winning football games, and I, I just think it continues to show how tone-deaf he is towards the Jaguars fan base. Yeah, see, those comments didn't really bother me as much as it bothered some other people. I'm, I have no problem. Look, I admire Bills Mafia, too. They travel well. They party. They know how to have fun. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't. I don't necessarily take it as a. It was, I don't think it was a backhanded side comment to the fans of Jacksonville. But I can understand why some people might take it that way because when you say things like that, you know, you you well, basically you know you want Jacksonville to be like that. You go to these other places. You see what things are like there, and you wish. It was happening here. I don't necessarily think he was saying directly, I can't get that with my fans. But at the same time, buddy, you're not helping us, right? You're not making renovations at the stadium. The Bills are now uh, set to have a new stadium, and the Jacksonville Jaguars will be the last team to have a new stadium or make any sort of significant improvements since they have became an NFL franchise in that entire cycle. So since they became an NFL team, every single other NFL team has made a substantial renovation, which was, I think, quoted at 300, 300 million or yeah, 300 million plus, uh, or has got a new stadium. So that brings you down to the bottom, and and so now, you know, you do have the worst facilities in the league. You're just now getting a football performance center. So all this time, people have been making fun of the, the Bengals for not having an indoor practice facility and all this and all that. Thank God they haven't looked down here at Jacksonville because they've got two fields in the middle of their parking lot. You know, so. You've got to do, you know, if you build it, they will come, you know, right? That's the old cliche. I love that movie. Great movie. But it's kind of tone deaf, like you said, when you say something like that. But again, here back home, you haven't made it worth our while. Whether that be the product or the stadium experience, it's not worth it to the to the family, to the to the families that, that pay money, pay ridiculous amounts of money to come see the Jaguars lose every Sunday. You know, and, and, and it doesn't draw people outside of, of the close city into it either. So, yeah. Yeah, I just think I don't have a I don't have a problem, I guess, with Shad Khan's comments. I just think it continues to show like a lack of awareness, a lack of a lack of humility towards his own fan base who he's been letting down in a lot of ways over the last decade. So it is what it is, par for the course in my opinion. Um, Jim Irsay, another owner of an AFC South team, Colts owner. He is really, really in his feelings about the Jaguars, kind of taking them to the woodshed, uh, kicking them out of the playoff hunt last year. And he had some comments about the Jaguars, calling them the worst team in the NFL. Well, yeah, guess what? The worst team in the NFL has beaten you at least once for seven straight seasons. Yeah, that that was – Something else, wasn't it? I mean, that had me rolling. To, to lead that off with, no offense to Jacksonville because they're the worst team in the league, but if we would have beat them, we would have been the playoffs, and that's sickening. So, yeah, you didn't beat the worst team in the league to make it to the playoffs, so I don't understand how you want to put the slight on us. Anyways, Jim Mercer, the Colts, you know, they're not uh, – I wouldn't say that they're the most hated 
division rival. I do still think it's the Titans, but the man's doing himself no favors. And, you know, ever since uh, Andrew Luck decided to get up and leave, that uh, that Indianapolis Colts team has been uh, hasn't been a bit of roses. They've, they've been quite ugly themselves. So, look, man, stick it where the sun don't shine. Keep your thoughts to yourself. And there's some other things out there that uh, I think that he'd rather probably keep buried as well. And he's lucky he doesn't have social media because I'll tell you, man, th- th- those Jaguar fans are relentless. I think Jim Irsay does have social media. I mean, I think he, I mean, he does, but I doubt that he's, he's on Twitter. Yeah, I'm sure he's on Twitter, but I mean, like, is he really? Like, I'm sure he's not, he doesn't have his phone in there. I don't know I don't if he, know. I don't know if he, I don't Strange know if cat. Hey, I, hey, look, I like Jim Irsay. I do. I, I don't hate Jim Irsay. I've always, you know, he's not, he's, he's kind of quirky. He's got a stupid, awesome, like, music collection. Seems like an interesting dude, but, you know, the wrong team, the wrong fan base to come attack, especially when, you're trying to talk about how tough it was for you to accept a loss that kept you out of the playoffs from the so-called worst team in the league. I mean, that was just a questionable. I guess his his thought is like, you know, we lose to the Jaguars. Let's, let's take a look, a long look at what is happening in this building. So they get rid of Carson Wentz, throw him under the bus. He wasn't terrible in 2021 by any stretch. I just don't think anyone believed he was going to be a guy that was going to win them playoff games. And ultimately he couldn't even get them into the playoffs because of the Jaguars. But uh, it's interesting. I don't think Jaguars fans are going to take too much offense to this because it's really kind of funny how the Jags are just living rent free in Jim Ursay's head right now. And probably Ursay is not the only one in that building that is just confounded by the Colts inability to beat the Jaguars in Jacksonville. Oh no! Could you imagine how that day started for every person in that building? Mind you, that was in Indianapolis, right? So every person gets there Sunday morning. I'm sure they're thinking about playoffs. All we gotta do is get this done. It's the most sure thing. It's the most sure thing that's happening in their lives, and then just get slapped in the face by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Could it get any worse than that? I mean, that that's gotta be the most painful loss to sit through. No, that one was in Jacksonville, actually. Was that one in Jacksonville? Yeah, the final game was. They almost beat the Colts in Indy earlier in the season. Trevor Lawrence fumbled on the uh, would-be game-winning drive or game-tying drive. Right, that's right. That's when what's his, uh, Taylor Taylor had like 90 yards in the first quarter and a half, so I had him flipped. Either way, it doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is I guarantee you everyone that came with that team and that building down here, they were all thinking that this was the most sure thing, right? Like there's no way you weren't. Jacksonville is the worst team in the league, and we are, rightfully so. But, man, just mm, get them. Get them. Yep. Now, Doug Peterson, he talked um, to the media on Monday from the annual meetings, league meetings, and he he talked about a fair amount of stuff. James Robinson and Travis Etienne updates, which is obviously – going to be something to monitor the health of those two moving forward. But James Robinson, who suffered the torn Achilles, um, Peterson believes will be out until some point in training camp, which should not be a surprise at all. He didn't sustain that Achilles injury until later in the season. Well, he was dealing with it. He didn't hear the Achilles until later in the season. Um, And then Travis Etienne, he had to list Frank that occurred in week two of the preseason. He should be good to go uh, prior to training camp, according to Peterson. He should be able to get some work in throughout the offseason and then be ready to go 100% for the start of training camp. Obviously, 
That's good news on the ETN front, unsurprising news on the Robinson front. These guys have the potential to be a very talented and dangerous one-two punch at running back, well-balanced. I mean, both guys can do a lot of different things. You got Robinson who can be more of a consistent, just get you four to five yards, and then ETN can hit the home runs. Um, I like both runners, but when you get those foot injuries, lower body injuries for a running back, it's scary uh, to to project them going forward. Oh, yeah. It, it's tough. And, and you know, honestly, it, it sucks more for Robinson because you're going to see Travis Etienne really get a chance to show what he's capable of, especially early on in the preseason and probably early on in the season. Um, that Achilles for Robinson, I, I, I can't anticipate it being – 100% by the start of the year. I mean, I, re- I really just can't. So you've got to look for some running back depth. It definitely puts you in a position where you've, you've got to go find, you know, somebody. Um, and I think it sucks because I think really honestly, long-term, I think, I think it nudges one of these guys out. Um, but as of right now, the way it stands, they do complement each other extremely well. Like you mentioned, James Robinson is more of a between the tackles guy, four to five yards consistently. Um, you know, doesn't really have fumble issues, even though, you know, the narrative last year seemed to be that he did. Um, and, you know, not a pass catcher, obviously, but he can hold himself in the pass game and, and is a great blocking running back. And you have a guy like ETN, like I said. Hey, he's got run. good hands. He's just not hitting home runs as a pass catcher. Yeah, I mean, he's not that he can't catch the ball, but he's not, you know, he's, he's not a guy that's going to be a real weapon for you there. You know, safety valve, maybe get a couple yards, but ETN is the guy that I can't wait to see factor into the passing game out of the backfield. I'm sure they're going to line them up outside sometimes as well. But I mean, again, list Frank injury that is concerning and, and feet for running backs, obviously very concerning. I will be extremely concerned if he's not ready to go by camp because he missed all of 2021 and 2022 season. So he's got to be ready. This is his chance to really get out there early, find a spot, create a spot and never look back. Yeah. I can't remember if we talked about it last week, but there's reports that LaVisca Chenault is on the trade block or that teams have been calling the Jaguars inquiring about LaVisca Chenault's availability. I know we have talked about the fact that 2021 was the only year in which he ever showed signs of drop issues. I think the Jaguars would be wise to just hold on to him because you're not going to get more than a day three pick. I would bet on LaVisca Chenault bouncing back, and I would be okay with him entering the season as the fourth receiver on the depth chart. Yeah, I, I do not want to give up on LaVisca Chenault yet, but at the same time, he only has a very specific skill set. And when I say that, he does a lot of things, but he is just a, a gadget guy. Like I don't think you can really line him up on the outside and have him be a consistent outside receiver. I think the matchups have to be uh, the matchups and the scheme have to be great for him to you know get separation on the inside and, and become that guy you want him to be, which is put the ball in his hands in the short game and let him make plays. He had you know some of the highest yak yards in the league his rookie year. He had I think it, the most, if not up there, uh, broken tackles by a wide receiver his rookie year in the league. Yards after contact and yards after catch. So both yaks. I mean. He can be a guy for you. It's just finding where he fits. And if the Jaguars move to that vertical, um, you know, style offense, I don't think you'll see 
a great fit here for LaVisca Chanel. I don't anticipate them, you know, dinking and dunking, not a lot of throws behind the line of scrimmage. Um, so you'll have to find somewhere else for him to factor in. The biggest thing that, that kind of concerns me for him is that a guy like Kirk is kind of what you want LaVisca to be in this offense, but he does it better. He's a little bit quicker and runs does better it routes. Yeah. He does it differently, but but he does it better. I mean, truthfully, he does. So I, I, it sucks. I'm not ready to give up on him. I don't want them to trade him. I, I think he can still be a great football player, but you got to find what he can bring to the offense that you don't already have. Yeah, I really think having Doug Peterson in here is going to be excellent for Visca as long as they hold on to him. And I hope they do because I think he's a guy that's more valuable than a day three pick and a guy that if he's put in the right situation, which Jacksonville could be with Doug Peterson, with Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball, I really do believe he could thrive. Um, And I think he can prove to be a quality three or four on a, on a good passing offense. And we'll see how it all plays out. Cause I think he can play outside more than you do. I, and, you know, returns from 2021 were not pretty, but I think he's a guy that can play outside. I do agree. You want him to be touching the ball in a variety of different ways. That's how he's going to be most effective, but I think he'll prove to be a legitimate receiver, maybe not a one or a two ever, but, could he be a three on a really good offense? I think he could be, and uh, I'm excited to see what he becomes in 2022. Um, so that's it for the news and updates that we've got for you here. It's about time to jump into these top remaining needs for the Jaguars. We've got the NFL draft less than a month away now. Incredible stuff there. Uh, can't wait for that to finally get here. But Jeremy and I, we're going to rank our top remaining needs on the Jaguars roster. And uh, each of us is going to provide our rankings here. We'll just kind of go back and forth and talk about what we see as these top remaining needs moving forward for the Jags. Uh, You want to kick us off, Jeremy, with your top overall need? Yeah, sure. My top overall need is still wide receiver. And I'm not sure if we're going to differ on that. We might, but you still need a guy to complement Christian Kirk, to complement LaVisca Chenault, to complement Marvin Jones. They seem to have a lot of guys who kind of all do the same thing but aren't really able to separate that because they don't have what I think, and, and you know you've mentioned, would be a true X receiver. Now, again, I've said this before, you know, gone are the days of guys, you know, just strictly being labeled as an X, but you still have to have that ability, right? You still got to have that's still a position on the football field. It doesn't change. So while that, that personnel can change and we can cycle guys in and out and have multiple guys play the X and, you know, our, our packages and our scheme will change. It'll keep defenses off. The Jaguars don't have a guy like that at all whatsoever. The only guy that really comes to mind is Marvin Jones, but he's really not fast enough. And I don't really see him being, uh, uh, you know, a stretch to field, go get the ball kind of guy. It's more of a possession receiver. So I think wide receiver and strictly a guy that can play that X uh, position is a guy that the Jaguars need to focus on highly. Couldn't agree with you more. Wide receiver one is the top need for the Jacksonville Jaguars, in my opinion. Why? Because, yes, Christian Kirk is going to be a starter. Who else do you want starting with him? Do you want Marvin Jones starting? Do you want Zay Jones starting? Do you want Visca to be relied upon in that role after what you saw in 2021? 
I don't see it. Uh, I think you need a guy like if he falls to 33, which I think he will, George Pickens, uh, I think would be just a home run of a pick. They need someone who can win on the outside, someone who can complement Christian Kirk, someone who Trevor Lawrence can rely on. He's done really well in the past with big, athletic, talented X receivers. You look at Justin Ross he played with. You look at T. Higgins. I think you need a guy like that really bad for Trevor Lawrence to be able to take this next step um, to be able to support him with a proper infrastructure. You've got to value that highly on day one or two of this draft. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about Trevor, right? It's all about Trevor. So that's why, for me, the second biggest need is the offensive line. Still the offensive line. Yes, the Jaguars added Brandon Scherf. They tagged Cam Robinson, but they lost Brandon Linder. So here we go. We, you know, kind of take that one step forward, you know, and another step back. And when you guy, when you lose a guy like Linder, right, that is a huge hole to fill. We have to keep Trevor upright. We can put all these weapons around him eventually, but if we can't keep him in the pocket, can't keep him up straight, it's not going to matter. And so you've got a glaring position in the middle at center, a glaring position at guard. You still need a right tackle. Can Walker Little be that guy? He might be. He could be. But I don't know that Walker Little is that guy yet. So until I know that he's that guy, it's still a glaring need in my opinion. So, you know, when you're at number one, I think you still have to be be very, very open-minded in regards to potentially taking an offensive lineman. Take Evan Neal and play him at guard if you have to. If people want to get all up in arms about, oh, you can't draft a guard number one, that's not exactly what it is cut and dry. It's not exactly what it's cut and dry. We're not drafting an offensive guard number one. They're not out drafting Zion Johnson number one. They're drafting a guy who has insane ability to play almost every position on the offensive line except for center and if you have to play him at guard one year and you have an all pro offensive line until cam walks away before you have to move him to left tackle then tell me why that's a bad thing yeah i agree with you offensive line (laughs) it's funny ot left guard and center are all on my list here but they are not number two on my list Number two on my list is edge, whether it be a one or a two, um, whether you think Josh Allen is the number one edge rusher, whatever. You need a starter opposite Josh Allen. We talked about Arden Key. We talked about Dewan Smoot, Caleb on Chason. You need a guy that an opposing offense, an opposing tackle, an offensive coordinator, a quarterback, they are just pissing their pants worried about this guy every single play. You need that guy. Uh, and you need it really badly on that defense, in my opinion, because you've got a group that I think can get it done if they just had that one more piece. That, that And it's the hardest piece to find. It's the number one edge rusher. And don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying because this is their top need, they should take an edge rusher at one overall. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they got to figure out a way to get more pressure on the quarterback. I don't think they have a starting edge opposite Josh Allen on this roster. And yeah, you can look at, they do need offensive tackle help. In my opinion, Cam Robinson, 
he's only under contract for 2022 and currently he hasn't even signed his franchise tag. You don't know if you're going to get that long-term deal done with him. Jawan Taylor is in the final year of his rookie contract. Um, at left guard, you've got Ben Barch slotted in as a starter, probably at center. You've co- probably got Tyler Shatley. Those are two guys you entered 2021 with as backups. I do like Walker little. I do like what I've seen from him, but all of those things, I think you have an offensive line that is probably as good as it was in 2021. And it wasn't bottom of the league. It wasn't top of the league. It was very average, maybe slightly below average as a whole. I don't think that moves the needle as much as an edge rusher. And um, I just think to win in the NFL, you have to be able to get pressure you need to be able to manufacture pressure with blitzes, but you also need guys to get home on the edge. I don't think they have enough people on that uh, defensive line that are going to get the job done. I think they have the depth. I just don't think they have that number one or number two edge rusher to complement Josh Allen. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. That is a, a huge need as well, and that's why it comes in at number three for me. I'm not going to go into it completely because you just touched on pretty much you know all the same reasons that I have, but the reason why I have it a little bit further down than you and, and kind of just in, in brief here is that you know I, I understand how, how much of a need that is, but I'll wait. I'll wait to, to get everything ironed out for my quarterback first, for the guy that has one less year on his contract, than the other guys we're bringing in now, the guy that you're hopefully needing to lead you to a Super Bowl, you know, within the next 10, 15 years, a guy that you want to be here forever, a guy that you don't want to shorten his career. Um, and I think that that's hugely, hugely important. Um, but yes, uh, undoubtedly, edge rusher has to be uh, addressed. Yes, they brought in some depth pieces, which is great. And that's going to absolutely benefit them. But you still have to get a guy opposite Josh Allen. Um, who you know takes a little bit of the attention off him, but I think that's what it can be for now. You know, getting a guy who can just take a little bit of attention off Josh Allen to allow him to hopefully, you know, come into his own. Um, and I hope I'm not eating those words. You know, if if a guy like Hutch or a guy like Thibodeau turns out to be, you know, the next T.J. Watt or something like that, so you know, it's it's definitely important. But coming in next here um, at number four for me uh, is going to be tight end. Um, again, going back to the offensive side of the ball, the Jaguars need more weapons, and the Jaguars have not had a good tight end really ever. Um, I mean, Mercedes Lewis is the best tight end in Jacksonville history, and he was primarily a blocker. This put some respect on Dan Arnold's name. Look, man, w- hopefully we'll get there, and hopefully he can earn all that respect, and hopefully Evan Ingram can do the same thing, and maybe we don't have to address the tight end. But as it stands right now, I don't know, and I, I still think we have to without knowing what's coming. This offense needs a tight end. Doug Peterson needs a tight end. So, you know, if Evan Ingram and, and Dan Arnold are those guys for them, man, I hope so. Cause if that's who you trot out there week one and you get no production out of your tight ends, it's going to be tough. Yeah. For me, tight end is not in my top five, but it is on this list I've put together. So Arnold, Ingram and Manhurts, they're all on expiring contracts in 2022. So just based on the fact that none of your tight ends outside of Luke Farrell are under contract beyond this upcoming season, that makes it a need uh, in terms of figuring out a long-term plan. I'm not sure if you were able to catch any of what Trey McBride did at his pro day today, but that's a guy 
I wouldn't I, blame them for taking him at 33. I'm not going to lie to you. I heard it was breathtaking. I heard that man was moving. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's a four or five guy on tape, but I did think he was four, six, four, seven. I think he compares favorably athletically to Zach Ertz, who you saw dominate in the NFL for a long time, still playing well out in Arizona. Um, played very well for Doug Peterson, the Jaguars' new head coach in Philly for for years up there. McBride, I think, has the athletic chops, the receiving chops of a Zach Ertz, but he's a hell of an inline blocker. You can move him around the formation, do a lot of different things with him. He's accustomed to being that featured guy on an offense. He was pretty much the entire Colorado State offense. In my uh, seven-round mock that I did on the Duval Daily earlier, I had him at 65. He's just too good to pass up on. I don't think he's going to make it to 65. Like I said, I wouldn't blame the Jaguars for taking him at 33. Let's say if George Pickens is off the board and you're not feeling good about any of the wide receivers available, um, I don't see that happening. I I do think there's going to be good wide receivers on the board at 33. But maybe you value wide receiver in the third round more with an Alec, Alec Pierce or someone like that. I'm not going to be surprised when you hear um, Trey McBride's name come off the board in the late 20s or in the 30s. Ooh, that's that's up there. That's up there for a tight end. It is, absolutely. That would be higher than Pat Fryermuth last year. Of course, Fryermuth had the injury issues and wasn't coming off the greatest season. But So wait, what was your actual number four spot? I don't think you said it. I think you just oh, yeah. Trey McBride um, for three minutes. Sorry, I'm no. excited about this hey, guy. Man. I, I see it's it topical, now. right? I, I know. I, <laughs> yeah, know. I, I, I know how much you love Trey McBride now. <laughs> so yeah, I had wide receiver, edge, offensive tackle, and then left guard. I don't really have a problem if you want to go into the season with Ben Barch. I think he did well enough in 2021 at right guard to project him to being at least average at left guard. And then um, I also have center right there with Tyler Shally. We talked about you want him as your primary backup on the interior, not really a starter. But I think you can upgrade those positions. I think they would move the needle if you did go get a guy like, let's say if Kenyon Green fell to 33, he's been falling a little bit as Zion Johnson's been rising. The the Texas A&M guard Kenyon Green, he was – the OG one interior offensive lineman one for a lot of people for a long time. He's still right there neck and neck for me with Zion Johnson, but Kenyon green's athletic testing has kind of seen him, uh, seen his stock plummet a little bit. I still think he's going to be an excellent, excellent NFL offensive lineman. And he's a guy that can legitimately play all five positions on the offensive line. So if you're looking at 33, maybe upgrading that interior and the offensive line as a whole, if Kenyon Green falls to 33, that would be a home run of a pick. And obviously, if Zion Johnson fell to 33, that would be as well. I don't really see him making it out of the first round anymore, but I, I, I'm with you on the offensive line. I just value getting that premier edge rusher a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. Don't, don't get me wrong, I get it. Number five here was difficult for me. This is a very difficult one because now we're down to the bottom. I think there are a couple needs that aren't nearly as glaring when we get here. And honestly, if I didn't feel like I would be a laughing stock if I put kicker here at number five, I would. 
but kickers are people too. Kickers are people too, but I respect myself more than that to put a kicker (laughs) this high. But I mean, it's been bad. It's been bad. I mean, just how good of the kickers that Jacksonville has had between Scobie and Lambo, and there was that little rough patch between there. But Mike Hollis prior to that, yeah, it had been somewhat consistent. I mean, a lot of people forget about Mike Hollis. Even I forget to mention Mike Hollis. And that guy was great. It was just it's just so long ago. And then it feels like Scobie. I mean, if you didn't know, he made he was in here at at the inception. I mean, it felt like he was here that long. So. Anyways, can't can't go kicker though. I do think it's a huge need. I think they need to be looking at it, and I think we'll see one drafted this year. They've got thirty-seven picks, um, but my last need here is going to be inside linebacker. I don't know who else they're going to put next to, um, and I'm going to totally butcher this, but it's Foyce. I got you. Oluwoken. Nope. Uh, I got you. Learn me something. So with the first name, let's just go Foyer. Okay, Foyer. Eliminate the back part of it. That takes that takes a good bit of pressure off of you. The last name I even butchered it earlier today, uh, but it's Aluakin. 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 It's a hard one to remember. It's not that bad. I've seen worse. Aluakin. It's just yeah. But oh. so Foyer Aluakin. Yeah, so so for Foyer, who's who are you gonna put next to him? I mean, Damian Wilson's gone. I'm pretty sure. I think he was Carolina that he signed with. Yes. Uh, yep. So, so you know, he he's out of the picture. Um, you've got some guys he had around last year that you're not quite sure what you have in them. Uh, I think. I think if you look internally, Shaq's really the only guy um, who you could maybe put there. Um, the only other guy that really had, but it's probably going to be the weak side backer, if I would you know imagine. Uh, but the only other guy. Oh my God! What was his name? Um, last chance, you kid, Texas Tech, Dakota, uh, Allen? Dakota Allen. Yeah, Dakota Allen. So I don't, I don't know if they plan on bringing him back or, or where he was on the roster as well. But when I think of in, interior linebackers, I mean, outside of Miles Jack last year and, and obviously Damian Wilson, they struggled and they didn't really have a lot of guys who who came out on the field and was in that rotation. So you've got to go find one. Again, Shaq is is a guy that I personally like. I think he could be there. Um, just kind of like you said with with Ben Barch, like him too. Think he could be there. Same thing I said about Walker Little. I like him. Can he can he be that right tackle? We don't know. All of these spots, right? Until we know their holes, they have to fix. So, um, you know, Shaq's really the only guy that you can look on on the inside. But you know, you're going to have to probably draft a guy, right? I think we've both talked about it a lot. They're going to add some linebacker depth in this draft. I don't think it'll be within the first two rounds. Probably in the third. Uh, I would so, not be surprised if they do it at 33. That's what I've been hearing too. I've I've been seeing that, but I just I can't I can't I can't come to grips with with. There's not even there's already 33 guys in the draft that I would take before I take a linebacker. Just straight up, to be completely Ooh. honest with you. Okay, so that's a little spicy. I mean, there are, but between between offensive linemen, edge rushers, wide receivers, and probably tight ends. Some DBs as well. I mean, I, I just, I, I don't think now the, the linebacker class, right, is it's not eye opening, but it's consistently deep. You know, I, I think everyone is a consistently decent player in that pool this draft, but I, I, I don't see it. I don't see it at 33. I really don't. I think there are 33 other guys, hands down, that I would take before any linebacker in this draft. Yeah. The only way I would take one at 33 is if it was Devin Lloyd or Nakobe Dean. Okay, Nicole Dean. I, I lied. I think both okay. of those guys should be first round picks, in my opinion. Um, 
Devin Lloyd I have higher on my board, but I think Nakobe Dean in a defense like Mike Caldwell is what I expect Mike Caldwell's to be. I think he could really shine as a uh, as a blitzing linebacker, as a guy who can roam sideline to sideline. So yeah, I would take both of those guys at thirty three if they fell. But I was at uh, a linebacker. I was at a linebacker is my sixth. I know we were only supposed to go top five, but that was six on my list as well. So I, I'm with you there. I wouldn't be shocked if one of those two guys fa- falls out of the first round. And Christian Harris is another one out of Alabama. He He's a three-year starter. I think the tape is a little inconsistent, but the flashes are unbelievable from Christian Harris. And I wouldn't be shocked if they really value him highly. I, I'm hoping they wouldn't do that at 33 just because I don't, I don't personally value him that high, but he, he's another guy to keep an eye on. If the Jaguars are going to end up taking a linebacker on the first couple days of the draft. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know you said Nicobe Dean and, and, and like I said, I'm, I was out of pocket with that. He would be the one linebacker that I would take in that top 33. Um, if you could add a six, so do I, and I'm going to put kicker on there. Screw it. Go give me Cade York. Go give me somebody that can can be consistent. Go give me that kid out of, uh, is it San Jose? No, it's not San Jose. It's San Diego State. Ariza. Have you, did you watch any? Hits? He's a punter. But he kicks right? too. He kicks too, though. Okay. Boots the ball, like 80-yard punts and like 60-yard field goals. I mean, that kid is a freaking physical specimen when it comes to a specialist, man. I, I mean, think somebody's going to end up drafting him to be that weapon that the Jaguars drafted Brian Anger to be. I don't know if it's going to oh, end up. Don't remind me about that. Yeah, but I, I've, I've always thought that. Like, I know that kicking and punting are two very different things. I get it wholeheartedly, but there's never been somebody who's going to come who, who's came along and, and been able to do both effectively. Like that blows my mind, and that opens up a whole other roster spot for you, which I think is huge in the long grand scheme of things. Right, an extra receiver, extra DB. Extra special teams guy. I mean, yeah, I'm not an expert on kicking, obviously, but you know, if you had a guy that could do both, I get what you're saying. I, I definitely do. I don't know if it's if you listen to this podcast and you're a punter and or kicker, please tell me why it's so difficult to do both. Yeah, I really want to know. And I, you know, I wish I would have asked any of my buddies in high school. Or like, why? You know, I just, I just want to know what makes it difficult. I don't know if you perhaps practice. You know, the way you kick the ball, the way you work out your legs is different based on the different uh, styles. Obviously, you've got you know the punters have to have the drop kick, and then the kickers are place kicking and kicking off a tee. I don't know if it's any different, honestly. But um, if yeah, if anyone knows, please let us know. I would really appreciate that. Just trying to learn, man. We're just trying to learn. Absolutely. And I did have the Jags taking Cade York earlier today as well. I, I think you, you bring a guy in to compete. You've got 12 draft picks, right? You've got plenty of picks. Um, you bring in a guy late in the draft to compete with Matthew Wright and Ryan Santoso, uh, who the Jaguars just recently signed. Wright was not terrible, but his leg strength, his power still concerns me. He's not a guy that can really kick it through the back of the end zone on kickoff, struggled with that. And Santoso's the opposite. He's got plenty of leg. He, he looks like a tight end out there. Maybe he could be your tight end. Um, 
that the Jaguars need there on your list. But yeah, I think bringing in a kicker, a young kicker, even if you don't draft one, go out and bring in one as an undrafted free agent makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like you said, you've got 15, 15 draft picks. That's obviously excessive. You're you're going to waste a couple of them just because because you suck at drafting and a couple of them are going to be wasted. So you should just pre-waste them ahead of time and just like set a couple aside for like throwaway picks at the end. Like go draft a kicker, go draft a punter, go draft a backup quarterback. If you predetermine what your wasted draft picks are going to be, maybe just maybe you can do some like reverse psychology with the universe and all the other ones will be worthy draft picks. Look, I'm Jeremy's just, big brain in it. I'm just trying to do whatever I can, man. Something's got to give galaxy brain there. Hey man, got what you got to do. Absolutely. So um, the last couple needs I had, you talked about tight end. I I agree completely. And I also have strong safety as a need. I know we've kind of talked about it. I don't think Rayshon Jenkins is a long-term answer. The Jaguars will be able to get out of his contract after 2022 if he doesn't really kind of solidify that starting role, which he certainly did not do in 2021. I've given a lot of guys kind of a pass Based on what happened in 2021, I'm willing to give Rayshon Jenkins the benefit of the doubt based on the situation, but he's a guy that I just cannot get past those boneheaded penalties that really cost the team. When you're a team captain, your first year with the team, they name you a captain, then you come out and your biggest contribution is 15-yard penalties. Yeah, that was the biggest thing. You know, It's, it's not even the penalties. The penalties I could deal with, but... Like I said, the, the type of penalties, the stupid penalties, and as a captain, you've got to be better. And I might be a little bit on the other side of things here, but I, I definitely like our safety room as it is right now. Now, I'm not saying it's not a need. I think this entire team across the board is a need. They need somebody at literally every position because that's what happens when you're the worst team two years in a row in football. But I kind of like what we've got going. I think if they f- if Caldwell can figure out how to utilize – the skill set of Andre Cisco this year, actually get that guy on the field and really, really, really put him in a position to be successful. I think things are going to be extremely different in the secondary and the defensive backfield, the additions they made at the cornerback position as well. I mean, just all of those things put together. I, I do like that room. I hate to say it, but I do like that room. I think they probably fall to the bottom of the list for me. Cornerbacks, obviously, because we made, um, allocations in that position the last two years, but I think safety are right there with it. You know, I like the group as a whole as well because I think Daniel Thomas is a good backup for Rayshon Jenkins, and I think he could probably end up earning some starting. I'm not saying on this team this year, but just like in a vacuum, I think he's a guy that has the talent to to start for you in a pinch. And like you said, I think Andre Sisco you can almost look at as an addition in 2022 because he played so little in 2021. But what you did see of him was so impressive throughout training camp, throughout the preseason, and then when he finally got in the game late in the year, he made some plays that you just don't see a lot of guys that can make uh, plays on the ball, the athleticism, the instincts, the timing. I agree with you. Having him in there, having Darius Williams in there as your second or third cornerback, that secondary looks a lot better. I just still am not sold on Rayshon Jenkins. Yeah, and you can't be. It's going to be tough to be sold on anything until we get some sort of of consistent 
acceptable play from this team. Right? I, I didn't I didn't feel that way about anything until 2017. And I, I need to chase that feeling again, right? That that validation of actually having playmakers, actually getting stopped, you know, it just not being a rollover. So once that happens, man, things will be better. Everything will be better. That's right. Everything will be better once the Jaguars start winning some <laughs> ball games. Duh, right? Duh. Yeah. I think they're a lot better right now than they were last year. I think that their roster has improved over the last couple weeks. But I still think the biggest improvement is in the coaching department with Doug Peterson versus Urban Meyer. Look, all they had to do was sign one person, and the team was already better than it was last year. Could have been anybody. Could have been Santoso, and they're already better than they were (laughs) last year. But yeah, like you said, the the, the coaching department. I, I am still a little bit skeptical about the front office, things we were told things that were retracted. Not a big fan of that. So, you know, it, it's going to it's gonna be something to see, though, because for Doug, for Doug's sake, you know, and I guess the Jaguars had a thing for coaches named Doug. I know it's only been two, but, but for Doug's sake, you have to come out and make this a home run because everything's going to get tied to him. Every decision, everything I think is going to get tied to him this year. And... If I'm Doug Peterson, I mean, that is like the most amazing, but also the most nerve-wracking thing. Yeah, it's a ton of pressure. It's all on him. It's all on him. That that change, when you make a change like that and you leave one person in place, it's all about that one person. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. And I'm not a Trent Baalke apologist by any stretch of the imagination. I thought they should fire him. I thought they should move on. But... When you look at last year's draft, how that's looking right now entering year two, and you look at what he did in free agency this year, you have to give him credit at least, especially for the free agents. He went outside of his comfort zone. He spent a ton of money. That's what fans, that's what media was criticizing him for not being able to do in 2021. He did it in 2022, and I think he added – you know, guys like Darius Williams, Aluakan, and Christian Kirk, and Brandon Scherf, they really, really are going to improve this roster. Yeah. But I me mean, he had no choice. We basically did his job for him. There you could so- say he had no choice, but you would have said that last year as well. To spend money? Yes, they absolutely needed to go spend money last year, and they didn't do it. You're right, they did, and they didn't, but, but it... If, if he did nothing again this year, like I think he was pressured, not pressured, maybe it wasn't pressured, but the influence was so heavy. Like the man had to do something. He did a lot of somethings. He did a lot of somethings, which are great. I I'm give thinking. him credit for that. Yes. And I also give, I don't know who writes the contracts over there anymore. It was Idzik for a long time, but he's been gone now. Um, John Idzik. Mm. He was the cap capologist cap specialist whatever you want to call it i'm not sure who that is right now if anybody knows let me know but they did a hell of a job writing those contracts they can get out of all of them after 2023 for the most part and not really struggle financially and they still got a ton of money left over for next off season and this is the time that you have to spend. Trevor Lawrence is on that rookie deal. You have a built-in advantage having a franchise quarterback that is going to be paid a very low number 
2022, 2023, 2024, and then you'll be able to hit them with that um, fifth-year option the following season. And if you need to franchise them, obviously you want to get a deal done before that. But for the next couple seasons, you've got Trevor Lawrence at a bargain. You've got to surround him with talent. I think they did a decent job of that um, this offseason, and they need to continue to do that in the draft. I think it's the Los Angeles Rams effect, baby. You know, got a cheap quarterback, put money around him and a boatload of it, and let's go make a run. Truthfully, I think when you look at that and where the Rams have gotten to, they've refined the process. A couple bumps in the road, but they got it done, right? They got a Super Bowl out of it. They had to get rid of the cheap quarterback. They did. They had to get rid of that cheap quarterback, and that's fine because I think – we well, they at, actually ended up giving him a deal and then getting rid of him. Correct. Yeah, they gave. But, well, well, they made the Super Bowl run. They gave him a deal. It destroyed everything else, and they got rid of him. Right, and then they spent money elsewhere. They traded away all their picks. They traded for a quarterback. Won a Super Bowl. Had to reup him now, but it made it all work out. What I envision for the Jaguars to make a Rams-like leap would be to hit heavy on the draft this year. You don't have to use all twelve picks. Right. Let's make some moves. And even to be honest with you, I'm okay with trading some of those later picks for earlier picks next year. You know, maybe a couple, Definitely. couple fifths, couple sixths for, you know, a third or a fourth next year if you can get that value. And from there, I think if you hit on this draft and you build a bunch of good solid pieces, you can start working on Trevor Lawrence's extension next year. After you have a decent year, you build a good foundation. Right. And then. This is the year that you trade away all the picks. You say F them picks. You get rid of every pick. You go out and get ballers across the board. So this isn't this upcoming season, but the following season. Trevor's locked down to a long-term contract, and that big money doesn't hit the bank for another two years after that. So if you can completely hit on this draft, start trading all your picks next year, get yourself some all-stars, and this is your window to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, the next few years, I agree mm-hmm. with you. Or it's going to get harder and, when that money comes. Yeah, it will. And uh, hopefully, you know, the fact that the money is going to Trevor Lawrence down the road, he'll be able to overcome the fact that he's taking up so much money by playing at an elite level, right? That's kind of how it works. But um, I think if you look at, if you look at, uh, your idea there with getting rid of all the picks after this upcoming draft, I wouldn't blame them if, if they, they feel like they have a good draft that the guys that they have signed this off season are working out. I wouldn't blame them for getting aggressive before the trade deadline during the season this year. Yeah. And that, that'd be great too, but it, it's going to take a lot to put yourself in that position. Right. Cause that, that is a, that's a win now mode. We're going to have to be eight, nine wins, you know, 12, 13 weeks into the season. And oh, I don't you would know about that just competitive, I would say. You don't have to buy a guy that's on one last year of his deal, but you can you can be a buyer. No, you can, but I don't know if you make the, the, the see those kind of guys usually aren't for sale unless they're on the last year of a contract or there's you know something that's obviously you know out the throughout the offseason they force their way out. You usually don't find those guys that have two, three years left on their deals that are big time guys for sale at that trade deadline. And I think the trade deadlines have moved back, what, a week or two now because of the, the schedule change? So is it nine or 10? I'm not sure what week it's going to be. So, but yeah, I, I just, I, I agree with what you're saying. You can definitely make those moves now if you see some guys that 
you'd like to bring on and, and be a piece for the years to come. Totally okay well, with that. If you're sitting around 500, which I'm not saying I expect the Jaguars to be, but let's just say they hit a home run in the draft and Doug Peterson's coaching really helps, you know, just have some more professionality on this team and the free agents they brought in perform. Yeah. If you're hovering around 500, go, go push for the playoffs, do what you can. Yeah. And, th- and that I'm fine with, but we talk about the players that the Rams brought in, right? Jalen Ramsey, who we all know how that ended. Now he got it at Jacksonville. It's not like, you know, he, you know, he, th- we wanted him to leave and go watch that pivot podcast and, and listen to, to how he talks about his experiences in, in Jacksonville. It definitely turn your stomach a little bit, but Von Miller, you know, that was a guy who was, you know, towards the end of his deal. So just I'm talking about guys like that, you know, just home run, all-star type of guys, those guys you got to get as a rental usually. So, yeah, you never know too. like, um, there's some wide receivers coming up. I would say that, I mean, Stefan Diggs, I think is already getting a little frustrated with his contract in Buffalo. I wouldn't mind targeting somebody like that. Yes. Absolutely, dude. I, somebody was asking. I was talking with a buddy of mine yesterday, and he was asking, you know, what 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 kind of money does that free up now that Lynn's retired? What do we do next? And I was like, everyone always thinks about the next free agent, the next free agent, the next guy that we can sign now with this money. Forget about that. Go make a trade for a guy that needs to be extended. Go make a trade for a guy like DK Metcalf. Go make a trade for a guy like Stephon Diggs, who are either at the tail end of their contract or want a new contract. Those are the guys you go get, and that's where you allocate the rest of this money to. You use the rest of that money to give them as much as you can for this year to lock them in and spread the rest out over the next couple of years like you're doing with all these other contracts. But that's what they need to do. I love it. Would you rather have Diggs or DK? Right now, I'd probably say DK. Yeah, he's younger. younger probably a little bit cheaper. I don't think he'll get as much money as Diggs, at least not yet. A little scarier too. <laughs> a little That's scarier. That's an off the bus guy, right? But but it, it, well, it's a yeah, he definitely is. But he's a but he he backs it up a little bit on the field at least. But um, that's a guy that I think that like you said, younger. So I, I think that's a guy that that can really grow with Trevor and through Trevor's growth and development. Stephon Diggs kind of already grown into his own, you know, and and didn't really have to develop. I mean, he had to kind of develop with Josh Allen, but. You know, I I, need, I want guys that are going to develop together. I just think it it kind of the chemistry is a little bit better and is there. You know, it'll, it'll be a little bit quicker and, and again the longevity. I don't think Diggs is going to have any issue establishing chemistry, but I no, understand he what you're saying in terms of growing together. Yeah, I he, do like that. And DK, goodness, to. we've talked about you know Trevor having success with big receivers. That's the big receiver of big receivers. Yeah, the biggest. Hmm. One can dream, right? Every night. (laughs) I don't remember him, but you do dream every night. Well, that's going to do it for the show. Really appreciate everyone listening. Would like to remind you to follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Markoski, myself at Jordan DeLugo, Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag, and go check out Go check out our first episode of Duval Daily. It's up on our YouTube channel, Generation Jaguar. Um, I'm having a lot of fun kind of getting that going and have a lot of fun, obviously, chatting with you, Jeremy. I appreciate your time. I appreciate everybody listening. And I hope, uh, what is it, Wednesday? hope you have a good rest of your week. And go Jags. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.